0: Have you heard about the benefits of CBD? We caught up with Trinity, CEO of Catch Some Relief. Here's what he has to say.
1: Catch Some Relief was founded on the principles of health and wellness for the fishing community. CBD is tremendous for inflammation reduction and anxiety reduction. Our promising is that you will catch some relief.
0: Be like the pros and catch some relief today. Go to com and use Blonde15 for 15% off your order at checkout. That's B-L-O-N-D-E-1-5 for 15% off your order at checkout at com. Hey, this is Shannon.
1: Sorry I missed your call. <laughs> Give me a little bit. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot <laughs>
0: about that there.
1: I think, yeah.
0: Yeah, mm, yeah, I would.
1: Found out how much I really enjoy party.
0: Nuh-uh. The for a time like that didn't happen.
1: What do I know? In the future, it's very bright, Michelle.
0: Hey, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Blonde Girl Behind the Scenes. Today's guest is a gentleman who is, for most of us, a fixture of the behind the scenes and the professional bass fishing world. Let's welcome in Mr. Bill Taylor. Oh, it's Bill. Hey Bill, it's Michelle. How are
1: you? I'm doing well, Michelle. How are you doing? You know, hanging in there. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. I tell you, it's been a it's been a different ballgame for everyone here in the last few months, That I think we're all gonna recover from it and move on. I
0: hope so. I think it'll yeah. be all right. Hopefully, I mean it kinda seems like things are getting back to normal, so
1: they, they are. They are pretty much. Uh, so, uh, anyhow, I just uh, scooping along, doing the best I can with what I've been able to work with. We're getting ready to announce our Pro Circuit here this afternoon for nice. next year. And so, yeah, so that's a good deal. So. Yeah, that's exciting right. stuff. So, you got your big YouTube deal now, hey? Yeah,
0: check me out oh. big time.
1: <laughs> okay. All right, I will. Don't worry about that. (laughs) So, uh, but anyhow, I appreciate you going ahead. I'm on Eastern Time here. I'm working on my uh, Danville, Kentucky home, and so I'm on Eastern Time. Where are you at? Are you on uh, Central or Eastern Time?
0: No, I'm on Eastern. I thought you were on Central, so that's there was a little confusion there. Sorry about that. I'm in North Carolina.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what I thought. Anyhow, anyhow. uh, uh, I'm I'm working out of my home here. Uh, have been since uh, actually since the first of April. I've been to the office maybe three times, just for a couple of days, and I just go in resupply with with office stuff mostly, and get some updates on my. Whatever. So yeah. there you go. So so what what do you need? What do we need to do? Yeah,
0: so the podcast is called Blonde Girl Behind the Scenes. So we interview uh-huh. people who work behind the scenes of the sporting industry. So obviously okay. I thought of you. So well, take me through how you got to where you are today. And you can start kinda wherever you're at or wherever you'd like. Um okay. and okay. I'll ask questions along the way.
1: All right. Well Michelle, thank you very much for uh inviting me to be on your uh, new uh, YouTube video and, and uh, behind the scenes and that's kind of where I've always been behind the scenes uh, first off I'm an old tournament fisherman from way back I fished my very first tournament in uh, about 1974 believe it or not and and uh, I, I dabbled a little bit by fishing professionally with the ASS back when and the US Best and a couple other organizations back in the late 70s and the early 80s and then uh in 1980 i fished the very first uh, it was called the operation bass uh then uh, it was later to become the flw and it was our grassroots and it fit right into my wheel horse and i concentrated on fishing the bfls giving up my attempts to fish professionally probably in 84 i, I can't remember the exact year it's been so long back but uh I had uh, pretty good success as a tournament angler uh, through my career. I have actually won, uh, we'll call them BFLs, I actually won uh, 14 uh, first place awards and wow. uh, qualified for the All-American at Huntington, West Virginia. I actually won our won ber- uh, second, the second championship we had on both shows. So uh, uh, I've been a tournament fisherman for a long time and still compete when I can Um in 1989, I was having dinner with Charlie Evans uh, one evening, and uh, uh, he was getting ready. We had been fishing the tournament, and he asked, uh, he said, "What are you doing this week?" And I said, "Well, shoot, I got to go back to work, as you well know. I, I drive it for United Parcel Service, and and uh, I got to be at work first thing Monday morning." And he, I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "Well, I've got to hire someone part time to work uh, for the DFLs." As a part-time staff person, and I said, "You know, what does that consist of?" And he told me, and I said, "Look, I may be interested in that." So that's kind of how my career started at FLW. So uh, I accepted a part-time position, and I worked as just—I'll call it a field staff. I I, I, I brought the equipment to the tournaments and helped the tournament director set up, and I measured the fish. And my wife helped, and and it was a way basically help subsidize my daughter's college. So he started college in 1990 and uh, and I said, well, I'll I'll do that. It's kind of a subsidy to paying for her school. So uh, that continued on to 1995 and uh, I told Charlie Evans that uh, I was going to be uh, resigning my position. My daughter was in graduate school, in pharmacy school at University of Kentucky and she had some scholarships then and So uh, I wanted to get back to fishing pretty regularly. And uh, this was the fall of 95. Mm -hmm. And Charlie said, no, you're not going to quit. He said, we got something big, something new coming in 96. And he said, I want you to be involved at that. And um, he uh, broke news to me that they'd be starting a professional tournament trail called the FLW Tour. It'd be televised on ESPN 2 and Jerry McInnes and, uh, Uh, their uh, production company would be doing a television. And uh, I said, well, what does that mean for me? And he told me. And so uh, having seven weeks vacation at UPS, I elected to go ahead and stick with that position. And uh, kind of the rest is history. I retired from United Parcel Service in 2000, and went full-time in the same year, six months later, at FLW. And in 2001, uh, I was uh, promoted to the uh, uh, FLA Detour Tournament Director. And, and here we are today, now taking a different position this year mm-hmm. uh, as a, a Senior Operations Manager. I've uh, been a consultant to Daniel Fennell and uh, been involved in all the scheduling and and uh, continually involved with the recruitment of the pros and uh, uh, my job description has changed slightly, but for the most part, uh, I'm still involved at the pro level and something that I really, really enjoy. And Daniel has uh, really, really taken uh, the reins on this new position as tournament director. It, it frees me up to do more in recruitment, uh, staffing, scheduling, and all that good stuff. So uh, it's been a win-win for FLW, especially now that Major League Fishing is, uh bought in and uh, They're run by fishermen, as you well know, and things have just changed 100% for the best. And uh, here we are today, working, getting ready to announce the 2021 FLW Pro Circuit schedule. So uh, I've been there a long time, Michelle, and um, I've met uh, people. uh, Yeah, I've met people such as yourself. I've met every pro that's in the business today. I've had the opportunity to work with great host communities. Uh, I've traveled in some states that I never would have ever been able to uh, visit uh, as a as a tournament manager or tournament operations. Uh, it's just been a great ride. Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to try to retire. Uh, my health is good. Uh, I told Kathy Fennel the other day we discussed uh, uh, next season, and I said, "Well, I've got, I think I can bring a lot to the table," and she said, "Absolutely." and uh, Looks like I'll be back next year for sure. I think uh, my wife uh, is not in the best of health, yeah. uh, she, uh, but uh, with that being said, she uh, she's a trooper, and uh, uh, as long as she can uh, do okay, and, uh, and I can do good health-wise, I'm going to try to work another year or so here, but uh, it ain't going to be long now, as the old guy said. Uh, you know, I'm 73 years old, and... Uh, been blessed with uh, a great opportunity and great health, and I'm still here. So uh, that's pretty much my story when it comes to fishing. And, but uh, I uh, I truly love what I do. I, I, I'll say that, uh, as you well know, uh, I relate to the anglers extremely well. As an old tournament fisherman, uh, I know the business from top to bottom. I know what it takes to get sponsors. I know what it takes to lose sponsors. I know what a uh, pro uh, feels like when he or she leaves the site and they miss a $10,000 check or a $200 check for that matter by ounces mm-hmm. and how disappointed they are. Uh, I know what it's like to see a family suffer because of sickness through uh, or my close relationship with the pros. I've seen Andy Gage, already lose his dad in the last week or so I've seen uh, People uh, get sick and have to take off uh, through different surgeries, and I feel for those guys because I know, I know the uh, many struggles. But for the most part, the pro fisherman does very well uh, if they know the game the way it needs to be played, and uh, everybody's learning that. So um, that's kind of my story and my history with FLW. Awesome. Uh, yeah, well, you can't uh, leave,
0: though. I think well, everybody will make you stay. <laughs> well,
1: that's been, that's, Michelle, thank you. That's been a plus. Uh, you know, I've had good reviews from uh, all the pros, and they want me to hang on. They they know that uh, I've seen it all. Uh, I've mm-hmm. seen the extremely, extremely good times with the Walmart, uh, I'll call them uh, um, coattail riders, uh, sponsors, you know, mm-hmm. Kellogg's and the Castros and uh, the Snickers, I've seen all that. I saw the team anglers in the route boats. Uh, I was involved with the first group of routes that come to our way in trailers. Uh, I know that, and this is a pretty good one. Uh, when I called Motorsports in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina mm-hmm. uh, area about uh, wrapping our trailers, they said, well, you know, uh, we're mostly into." NASCAR, and uh, most of our business is tied up in that, and we don't have the manpower uh, uh, to get involved in the fishing. Well, uh, that was a big uh, uh, boomer on their part, but uh, we we continued the relationship with them. Uh, I kept on them, and they wrapped our first trailers, And before you know it, they were wrapping boats, and uh, then our business took from there. Uh, There's multiple wrap companies now and multiple people that do the designs and and the jerseys, we were the first to bring out the uh, the jerseys and um, and the wrap boat. So I, I was involved in all of that, and very proud to say that I was. And uh, I think probably with that part of the puzzle, I think some of the best memories I have, Michelle, uh, pertaining to my uh, fishing, uh, was uh, my ability to be front and center with Walmart and going to their uh, corporate business meetings, Uh, listening to Lee Scott, who was president at that time, and CEO, and uh, listening to some of their guest speakers. I met people, uh, met many movie stars and people that were selling their uh, items and their CDs and their music and uh, their movies and people that were Uh, trying to promote their own sales and own product through Walmart. And I learned that part of the business. And I think that's one of my uh, biggest enjoyments. And then the Army National Guard. Uh, When they come aboard, uh, it brought a new insight to, I think, not only uh, the fishing world and community, but uh, uh, to the general population. And I'm talking about the outdoors population for the most part. They saw what the National Guard stood for and the importance of having a strong uh, military and and uh, supporting the military I and mean, so much uh, so many people uh, nowadays especially really really honor the police officers of the world and the, the men and women of the military that's uh, there to serve and protect and uh, I think once National Guard got involved I think that's when you saw. Uh, the outdoors people, and I'm talking about all the hunters and fishermen, or the hikers and the bikers and everyone, and they saw the benefit of that. And uh, I was able to go to the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and uh, visit the National Guard headquarters there and uh, be a part of that. And so uh, uh, that's another highlight in my career. That's uh, Very few people can have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So, yeah. Well, it's it's one of those deals where, you know, you, uh, you're you involved in one uh, business for all your 30 years of the work career, and then suddenly uh, you see where there's a different uh, world out there, you know, business-wise, and so uh, uh, that's been a big part of everything. So I've had the opportunity, to, Michelle, uh, like I said, I've, I've met every true professional from kvd to uh, james watson to uh, <laughs> uh, Bryant. that's not funny worldwide one of my favorites by the way it is very funny <laughs> uh, well but but you see that's uh, there's a lot of people in between james and, right. and kvd and mm-hmm. i've met them all that's and i right. know that each one represents uh their own personalities and represents their sponsors somewhat differently but for the most part they know how to work them and handle them and promote them and i think that's good i think another highlight michelle is i had the opportunity as most people in the fishing world knows it, uh uh and i'll call them asian carp uh, uh sometimes i don't want to i don't want to make someone feel slatted or anything they're calling them asian carp that's what the department of natural resources for the most part refer to them as mm-hmm. you know they're Uh, a non-native species was introduced in the U.S. and uh, they made it into the Mississippi River and they've uh, been uh, uh, prolific breeders and spawners and they've just simply taken over some of the tributaries of the Mississippi River Delta and and from New Orleans all the way to Minneapolis. And uh, the fact to uh, keep those things out of the Great Lakes and to keep those from spreading on any further than especially the Tennessee River and the Ohio River at this point in time is a big challenge and something that I've been involved with, with Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife. Uh, Most people don't realize that, I think, and I've been heavily involved with the uh, U.S. fishing game, uh, working with those folks and uh, had the opportunity to go to uh, Washington, D.C. and speak before the uh, Appropriations Committee with the U.S. Senators. Uh, in attendance as one of six speakers there and uh, was able to secure some funding for Kentucky and Tennessee and uh, Illinois there and I'm very proud to have been involved in that. So uh, I've seen and done a lot just from uh, my first purchase of my rod and reel so uh, fishing's (laughs) always been a big thing for me. Yeah that's awesome. Um, That's awesome.
0: Tell us a little bit about what got you into fishing did you grow up with it did somebody teach you how to do it and sparked a fire
1: well uh, uh, yes and no Uh, first off uh, that's a very good question one that i tell when i speak at uh, most uh, uh, engagements that i've been invited to how did i get started fishing well i was a little cork and bobber guy with a cane pole and a bicycle and i fished every little creek and every little pond in my community, I would drive my bicycle sometimes four or five miles. My dad was a hunter, but he was not a fisherman. Uh, no one in my community was a hunter. My brothers and sisters, they never fished. and But I like to go to the ponds and hang out. But when I was 12 years old, Michelle, and and um, that's a good question, and I respect you asking that, and I'm glad you did. Yeah. Our Sunday school teacher uh, decided to take his Sunday school class to Lake Cumberland in the headwater. An overnight camping trip. We went uh, and uh, fished from the bank and uh, took a little boat, and we uh, was about seven of us. And he was an insurance agent in town there where I grew up, but he was my Sunday school teacher, and mm-hmm. that introduced me to a body of water that just absolutely got my attention, Lake Cumberland. And from there, uh, we spent the, uh, two nights and three days there, and. Uh, I thought that was the most awesome thing that I'd ever been involved in and still do. Yeah. And thanks to him for taking me on that trip because uh, from there, I got in the world encyclopedias and every book that I could get. And I looked at every lake and dam that ever was made from, uh, obviously, uh, uh, from Lake Eufaula all the way to uh, uh, Boulder, Colorado with uh, in, uh, uh, the Boulder down system. and. I looked at every lake that's ever impounded, and I studied those, and I saw how big they were and where they were located, and And later on in life, especially in my 20s, before I really got serious about tournament fishing, I enjoyed just going to those various lakes. I enjoyed going to a new lake. Uh, I, I went to Lake Martin in Alabama in 1974, wow. just to visit, just to go down and say I went to a different lake, and then I went to Lake Lanier, and then... And so I, I've always and still do. I still take the time to go to different lakes. But the one thing I want to reiterate is take a kid fishing. Uh, Gene Thomas, he was an insurance agent there in London, Kentucky, and he uh, kind of dabbled in fishing a little bit. And uh, and so uh, he took me fishing and and got me started. And been uh, a lot of people I fished with over the years, but that's the guy that really got me going. And and uh, I'll be grateful for that. He's deceased now, but I keep up with his family and his mm-hmm. two daughters. And I thank them every time I see them because uh, fishing has been good to me. Yeah. And uh, I, really, I really think that more people need to take the responsibility to take the I know with high school and college fishing, it's changed a bit. Mm-hmm. I do admire Michelle, all the boat captains that uh, took college anglers fishing and They uh, before they become a team. And, Uh, this and that and the other and and high schools that require teams of a boat captain and anglers. I admire those guys. It takes a special person to do that, but uh, I've done it myself. I I, I know for a fact that you've got to, (laughs) you've got to make some adaptation just to have (laughs) fun out there on the water because it is very different, but uh, those people are special for sure.
0: Absolutely.
1: uh, Absolutely.
0: So you got started fishing, and then, what evolved to make you go pro?
1: Well, uh, competitively, uh, I just uh, uh, I, I watched around. I, I, first off, I was an old basketball player, and uh, back in high school, and in, uh, and all through uh, college, and and uh, I was uh, a, a pretty strong competitor. I wanted to compete, and uh, word got around that uh, there was a couple of bass clubs in Central Kentucky, and um, I decided, well, uh, back then they voted, uh, they, they applied for a membership and uh, they had most clubs would have 25 to 35 members and they stayed full because there wasn't any other tournament organizations out there. Uh-huh. I talked to guys that fished in the club tournaments and they gave trophies and they paid a $50 entry fee or a $20 entry fee and he got maybe $100 for first place and he drew with a partner and it was just uh, something that intrigued me, and so uh, a couple of guys in my hometown here in Danville, Kentucky, decided to form a bass club, and and uh, the rest is history. The competitive spirit took over. Uh, I haven't club fish since '78 or '9, uh, but uh, I got heavily involved in other tournament organizations and and continued fishing. And uh, still, this day, if I got an opportunity, I'm going to go comp- uh, compete and fish for Whatever I don't care if it's a hundred dollars or a hundred thousand <laughs> I, I get fired up to go fish tournaments and I think most of the pros are the same way mm-hmm. um, you know I think uh, they start out at the grassroots for the most part and they get bit they get bit with the bass fishing bug and the tournament fishing bug and uh, and so uh, you call it whatever you want but uh, it's a it's a pretty good deal so yeah absolutely. I've loved it.
0: So you competed as you worked through your career, started a family, did. did all that,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: just locally did, in Kentucky?
1: Uh, well, yeah, and, you know, uh, early on, you know, I traveled to, to the old Kechobies of the world and fished a bass opener. Uh, back then, there was a tournament company called US Bass and dabbled in that before I met Hank Parker for the first time and, uh-huh. and uh, uh, Guy Acre and Paul Lice and uh, many of those pros started out with that little group and then went to Bass uh, but I still dabble uh, they, they they have tournament maybe at Watts uh, Bar or Chickamauga or East Tennessee Lake I I got time and I want to go down and I'll, I'll jump in it to this day and I fish a lot of tournaments here on Lake Cumberland I did fish a lot of tournaments on Barkley and Kentucky Lake but uh, The fishing's kind of went downhill there over the past three or four years, and Mm -hmm. um, I'm not fishing hardly any tournaments now, and as a matter of fact, uh, there's very few tournaments happening over there, a few local small tournaments, but but, yeah, I I still got that old competitive bug to go, you (laughs) know, and uh, it'll probably always be there. I hope it is. Yeah, absolutely.
0: What do you think... I got I got a couple of questions, but what do you think sure. has been the biggest evolution that you've seen in fishing since you started, well, like no, even no, as a kid?
1: Yeah, uh, no question, uh, electronics. Uh, but uh, before the big big move with the electronics, I I think the uh, uh, tackle in itself, and I'm talking about the line. Uh, you know, the line upgrades and the rod upgrades and. You know, I can fish with about any reel, but if I got the right line and the right feeling rod, then the reel is just an uh, addition to, to, to your two tools So I think uh, the innovation in line, rod, and now reels, along with the electronics. And then, uh, obviously, uh, uh, I think uh, probably the biggest the biggest thing is the GPS. Uh uh, units and uh, I, I, I add that into electronics, but I can remember Michelle uh, fishing uh, the Great Lakes with a map, and uh, really and truly, hardly you, you, if you didn't mark a place on that map or mark it with a buoy marker of some sort, then you'd never find it again. Uh, now, not, yeah, and people people all the time they ask me what I, I'm going to start fishing. A pro circuit. I'm going to fish the Toyota Series next year. What do you? What's some? What's? A, what do I need to look for? And the first thing I tell them is, make sure you know where you're going at all times. Make sure that you pay attention to landmarks in case your electronics fail. You make sure that uh, you keep some hard maps and you go to Google Earth and uh, you look at that and print off maps if need be. But uh, make sure that you you've got a, a, an ability to at least get around on a body of water and learn how to maneuver on water that you've never been on before without the mapping system. Yeah, and, that's uh, true. Yeah, so I tell all, all of them, and I think that's that goes back a long way to a lot of the older guys, you know, that kind of started professional angling. They learned to do that. Uh, uh, they learned to look at a particular tree and, line up with it and uh, they learn that uh, uh to watch how the current changes in the river system or they learn that uh you know and the sonars were always i've always had a sonar okay. uh, but uh, you know it, once you got over 40 miles an hour in the early sonars they wouldn't read. So, but so uh, um i, I think the, between the uh general tackle, and but for the most part, the heaviest increase and the biggest increase in, in, uh, is uh, the electronics. But I will say that, thank goodness, that Ray Scott and security catch-release. Our lakes, yeah. Michelle, are, they are 60, some of them, 70 and 80% better than they were in the 60s and 70s and early 80s, simply because of catch-release. Um You know, uh, I think we got to continue to uh, protect the uh, resource. And uh, um, I think for the most part, the tournament anglers were the greatest uh, pushers and the greatest advocates of catch-release in the early days. And uh, they continue to be that, and their fish care techniques – have proven that uh, if you know what you're doing, you can take care of that resource and they'll buy it again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So anyhow, that's kind of my story right now. (laughs) I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. You're not uh, rambling.
0: Well, who do you think angler-wise has come the furthest? Not calling anybody out, but just knowing what you know from the business side of things and um, being on a competitive level – what angler do you think has come the furthest?
1: Well, I think probably uh, I can go with some old school guys. Early uh-huh. on, it was obviously uh, Jimmy Houston, his okay. worth ethic. ethic. Uh, you know, Roland Martin, his ability to promote uh, through his TV. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, the younger anglers uh, are more impressive. Uh, it took uh, Jimmy years to develop his. Uh, uh, ability to uh, gain and, and, and recruit and pin sponsors. And I'm talking about not just Jimmy, but I'm talking about KBD and all the guys that started out, you know, from the bottom and worked their way to the top. I'm sure KBD has probably made as much money from fishing as anyone in the industry. But I look at anglers like Jacob Wheeler. Um, I look at anglers like Scott Martin. I look at anglers uh, like Edwin Evers uh, and people that truly have uh, a skill level that's second to no one else out there uh, and how they can continually, continually to grow on their ability uh, to uh, consistently finish high in these tournaments. Uh, I, I just I watched uh, Jacob Wheeler uh, early on in his career, and I watched him win. So many big-time events, and it didn't take me long to figure out that, hey, this guy's got more skill level than 95% of the anglers, and him 20 years old. Yeah. And uh, Scott Martin was the same way. And Scott was one of the – he is and will continue to be so – one of the best promoters of the sport. And, uh, And, uh, uh, you know, I watched Brian Thrift grow from a backseat stick To one of the best in the world. Um, And so uh, uh, I think probably the person that's uh, done uh, 100% better than anyone else in the industry, though, has to be PVD. And, uh, you know, because of his ties with Bass Pro Shop and Strike King and the way he's done business his entire career and the way he's treated others and the way he's uh, promoted the sport uh, I think he's he has to be the tops out there right now and still uh, you know uh, your skill level may be falling I don't think it's because of uh, anything other than as you age a little bit you have a tendency not to see as well mm-hmm. takes you a little longer to retire takes you a little bit longer to get to where you're going sure uh, where you was making a thousand casts a day uh, you're down to 850. And so, but I still say that uh, he's done and went the farthest of anyone in the industry at this point.
0: Absolutely. I can't disagree with that. And he's from Michigan and so am I. So
1: (laughs) I've seen a lot of things.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of things with him since I was a kid. But kind of going back to, I want to ask you real quick, um, what do you think would be different in your life if you had stayed the basketball course?
1: Well, that's a good question. I've asked that myself. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't good enough to play in professionally in that sport. Uh, oh man! It, through college, I'm a I'm a, a biology major uh, uh, by okay. trade. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, biology and chemistry was my field of study, and uh, my plans right out of college was to uh, uh, go to either dental school or to pharmacy school. Wow! And uh, after I got after I got I uh, graduated from college in 1970 and uh, been accepted to uh, uh, pharmacy school and but Uncle Sam called Uh-oh. and uh, that kind of changed my plans a little bit but uh, had I went on to graduate school I'm not sure sure I I, I think my fishing would have still evolved but I uh, I had to go into Uncle Sam's army as one of the very last people that was ever drafted into the Army in 1970. Uh, The lottery system was when that was, and uh, I'm proud to to say that I did, and was able to serve in the United States military. Uh, But um, I don't know. uh, You know, if I had things to do all over, I would have probably uh, still stayed at United Parcel Service. It was a tremendous company. Um, I was very fortunate um, that they took me out of college, uh, and, and when I got out of the army, then I had a job with them, and it was time for me to make a living, and so I didn't go back to graduate school. But mm-hmm. I'll say that uh, what I have today uh, comes from United Partial Service uh, and fishing together, combined. So uh, you know, I'm, I I like that song. Uh, That uh, Kenny Chesney had that I would have done a lot of things different. Well, you know, people say they don't, they've never done anything different. Now, there were some things in life that I would have done different. Mm -hmm. uh, But my career that I followed, I'm not so sure that I would have done anything different than I have. And I've been blessed uh, to do 30 years at UPS. And and now, on top of that, 30 years uh, basically working at FLW. So. Not many people can say they they combined themselves for uh, 30 years with two different companies. And some of it happened at the same time. I worked full-time and worked part-time uh, at the same time. And uh, to be honest with you, that's how I got financially on my feet. Sure. Uh, to where I don't have to work anymore. And, and uh, got things that uh, probably would never have had had it not been for my fishing. So, mm-hmm. Uh, not brag. I'm not going to brag about that part of the puzzle, no. but I will brag about the career I've had, uh, and then uh, at the level that I've been able to be at for so many years, and uh, one that I take a lot of pride in, and uh, uh, I really respect uh, people that's in the fishing industry right now. Uh, there's been some times that it's been difficult. And that they've been good times. And I think we're coming through into some really good times right now with uh, Major League Fishing. And uh, even bass seems to be weathering, uh, you know, some turbulent water, so to speak. And uh, they've got a great organization over there, good management. Uh, I feel like that the people at Major League Fishing is just absolutely uh, phenomenal. Uh, you know, I didn't know Boyd Duckett. I didn't, hardly knew Jim Wilburn. Uh, I did know Don Rooks early on. He was uh, represented a sponsor with FLW for several years. Okay. But um, uh, if you sit down and talk to Boyd and, and Jim, Jim knows how to sell sponsors. Boyd knows the fishing. You put two combinations together. He uh, allows the pros an opportunity. Then we're all going to succeed. So, uh, uh, I think it's a win-win. Uh, I think uh, that the sport is going to continue to grow through people like uh, Major League Fishing, Don Rooks, and Jim Wilton. And I, I, I don't want to leave out anyone at the upper level. The production crews are absolutely unbelievable. Uh, not that Peyote Perryman that's done the up although He's great to work with. Uh, his hands have been tied more budget-wise. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a very talented producer. Um, I just uh, I just know that in the hands of Boyd, he knows as a professional angler what needs to happen out there. He knows the anglers need to have some say in the industry, and he knows how to uh, do it. And uh, people like that, uh, it's a win-win for all of us, including you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And obviously, you've had a very successful career yourself, and that doesn't seem to be stopping. Um FLW won't be the same without you and as much as I want you to enjoy your retirement when that day comes I would be the first one to sign the petition to make you stay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well thank you. I appreciate that. You can't go anywhere. I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, You know I've always said uh, you know I don't know. I don't know too you know and well, it, it boils down to, again, health. Um, you know, I, if you enjoy, and I, and I I recommend this to anyone out there, whether it's in the air fishing or whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, don't just sit at home. Get involved in community activities. Uh, continue to work. Continue to do things that, um, and I'm not talking about a financial gain or a financial reward. Uh, you know, most people, just want to do something and and, and have an impact right. with others mm-hmm. and uh, my philosophy is is if you can do something to help other people impact the, uh, what you love to do do it mm-hmm. uh, you know and and continue doing it and uh, uh there's plenty of time to for everything else to go along with it you know, so but anyhow but i'll I tell you what michelle i I, I really appreciate uh, you give me a buzz on there. Yeah, this. Um,
0: absolutely. You just answered my last question, so uh, okay. <laughs> I appreciate your time so
1: much. All right. Well, I appreciate you, and uh, if you ever need me to assist you with anything, I know uh, you're kind of like I am. You're kind of a workaholic, and <laughs> I, I hate to refer to that, but uh, you don't slow down. And, uh, nope. I've had a lot of respect for what you've done thank in you. the sport and continue to do. And so uh wish you the best of luck and uh just uh, uh if you need anything from Bill Taylor, you all you gotta do is call me. Well, you know, I if I can make it happen, that. I'll certainly try. Okay?
0: Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words.
1: All righty. Well, uh again, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. <laughs> all right, Michelle. Well, thanks again. Uh, good luck with uh, your new venture here. And uh, uh, I look forward to keeping up with you. And uh, all right, Michelle. Well, thanks again. Thank and, you. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon, okay? That's
0: right. You take care. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Well, okay. My pleasure always. Bye-bye. Okay.
0: Bye-bye. Bill Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. Seriously, if you don't have mad respect for this guy, I am questioning your morals. I appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Feedback is always welcomed and appreciated. Please do me a favor and like us on Facebook and Instagram, Blonde Girl Behind the Scenes. I cannot wait to share with you our next story. With that being said, who do you want to get to know? Drop me a line and let's get to know them together. Later, Gators.